Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We help you get your small business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Trinity, we have a guest today who I think qualifies as our most loyal listener. Other than your Scott. This is my work, Scott. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Very good. Yes. This is the other Scott. Because I could not, with help, introduce a guest better than you do. It's always you introducing the guest. Oh, man. And now the pressure is on. (laughs) The pressure is on. But we have a very, 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 very special guest. Our dear friend, referral partner, business associate, Mr. Scott Sams with Dynamic Print Solutions. I have known Scott for... A long time. A long time, probably. More than 10 years, probably. Yeah, more than 10 years. Oh, really? I didn't know it went back that far. And he has been doing our real estate signs for as long as I've known him. Um, I, If I had to to describe Scott in one word, I would say genuine. Well, thank you. Um, He runs an amazing shop. I cannot speak highly enough of the team that you've assembled over there. And I think we're going to have a great time today. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks Excellent. for the warm welcome. And yes. Scott has told us that he's listened to every episode. If you listen to, I think it was episode four, about four or five episodes back, Trinity and I got into a discussion of what you wear at Walmart on a Saturday. Yes, and I did. And you referenced to that. the conversation. That was so. She Trinity told the story about somebody she talked to about dressing better, and that was our Scott here. So yep, he does. I listen. came in the next meeting after listening to that, and I was I <laughs> yeah. was dressed. And you different. look absolutely <laughs> yes. spectacular today. Uh, well, thank you very much, Trinity. Yeah, I, I appreciate see, that. I can see the um, dress pants mm-hmm. and the, the nice beautiful shirt. blue button down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And my connection to Scott is I would recommend him for two reasons. One, the work's very, very good, but I wouldn't even tell you about that. I'd tell you he's a good dude. So if he tells you he's going to do it, he's going to do it. So Thank you, Mike. We are happy to have Scott here. One of the neat stories Scott has as a small business owner, because he's had his company in different visions and versions since 2001. But I like the story because it talks evolution. And one of the things we Trinity and I have talked about on multiple shows is how do you scale? How do you grow? How do you keep up with the times? I mean, technology in the printing world has gone from one to about a 40 and a half. Yep. And just the evolution of the company, we're going to kind of get through that on this show and just kind of keeping up with the times. And I love that part of it. So 2001, let's go to 2000. You're sitting at home talking with the, with the missus. You know what? I need to start a business. Yep. Yeah, so we'll go all the way back to the beginning and start there. So I was in the IT field in the banking industry uh, back in 2000, uh, and I had been in that business for a while, but not real excited about where things were going and and had always had an itch to get out on my own and and probably all along had been looking for ways to maybe even unconsciously, but um, trying to figure that out. And in 2001, I decided I would try something, you know, that we always think about things we want to do, but we never take action. So I decided, well, I'm going to take some kind of action. So I did. And I started a small uh, business called Captured Memories. You mentioned that. Uh, And the goal of that business was to help people uh, get the 
photos that they had in their drawers and the videos of their kids that they had sitting on reels or in on VHS tapes or whatever, uh, getting those into a, a digital form because I, I love technology and I knew how to do that. And I thought that would be a good use of my skills. Uh, so that's kind of where I started, not having any idea where it was going to lead. Uh, what was I, that a side hustle? It was a it was a okay. side job. In fact, um, we can talk more about that. Right. But from two thousand one to two thousand and ten, it it was all side. Okay. All right. So we, we can we can dig into that. And when you mentioned the reel to reel, Trinity has no idea. She grew up in the digital age. She has no foot. There's no. no footage of you and your brother on reel to reel, is there? Not on reel to reel. But <laughs> I was the queen of the quippy uh, dance video. Oh yeah, you had I, it up. Yeah, I was definitely a little cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I was just thinking, man, in, you know, 1999 and 2001, I went six? on some big, no, I was 99. I graduated from high school. Oh. My email address was loving99 at <laughs> hotmail.com. Nice. I hope and somebody has that now. <laughs> Please email that. Just whoever it is. Just say Trinity says hi. <laughs> but... I took a lot, a lot of photos as a high schooler. And when I went abroad, I took, I don't know, no less than 20 cameras with me, you know, disposable cameras. And when I came back and printed all of those pictures, I definitely could have used your services because I still have them sitting in albums. Do you still do that at all? Uh, No. No. Okay. (laughs) Do you know somebody that does it anymore? Uh, Walmart. Okay. Walmart. <laughs> yeah. The scanner. So, yeah, my my husband, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Here, I think now that you mentioned it, I think I know somebody that does that, but yeah. go on. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I learned from that that your your time is, is valuable. And so, I learned very quickly that the time required to do that was not going, that people were not going to pay me what I would need to be paid to do that work and me make any money at that. So, so that lasted for a little while, maybe about 18 months to two years. I don't remember exactly, but if you go back to your first client or two, can you give us a sense of what you charge them and what they asked you to say to Uh, yeah, probably the first customer, the first couple of customers were family. Mm-hmm. And I would say they probably paid me a couple of hundred dollars and I probably did, you know, 30 or 40 hours worth of work for a couple oh, hundred wow. dollars. Yeah. So. But that's how you learn bad math. We laugh about mm-hmm. it now, but that's how you learn. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't know if I hadn't tried mm-hmm. and I don't regret trying. So uh, that's that's one of the things that's important when mm-hmm. you've got an idea. You know, if you if you don't try, you may regret it later. If you do try and you fail, then you learn something. So we get to 2004, you actually changed the name to Dynamic Print Solutions, yet it was still what we call today a side hustle, right? It was still a hot side hustle, yes, but it had transformed from being that digital capture business into a printing uh, business, mostly indoor durable stuff, not the business I have today. But But that transformation came as a result of, of realizing that I needed something different than, than the capture memories thing and just listening to the people I was working with and hearing kind of what they were asking for. And so they, they were asking me about printing a large format, like they wanted poster size things and that kind of thing of some of the stuff that I was digitizing for them. And that got me interested in finding out what kind of equipment was out there to do that 
for them and also uh, what kind of investment it would take in order to do that. I didn't have a lot of money, um, and so I, it needed to be something that I could afford. So uh, it turns out that I was able to get in at the entry level without a lot of investment, and so it, that made it feasible. To, and you did trans- that out of transition. the garage with the Epsom <laughs> wide of, format printer? That's right, out of my house. It was a 44-inch <laughs> wide printer that took up half of a room. <laughs> Uh, and I did that for a while. I did that for two years out of a house, oh, wow. out of my house. Yep. Were you, at some point in time, you saw, you got to another level working in the house. That's right. And then was it then you, you and Patty had to sit down and figure out, okay, we either go big or go home. That's right. Well, we had to, she was kicking me out of the house, basically. (laughs) So we, so we had to, I had, so what part of it was, she wasn't kicking me out of the house, but uh, I wanted to grow. And in order to grow, I had to figure out how to make my stuff more durable. In order to do that, I had to buy a printer that was capable of lasting outdoors, which meant that it had not ideal, um, exhaust let's put it mm-hmm. that way so the so the fumes that it put off was not something that you would want to be breathing in your house all right. the time so that was really the motivator for moving out and so I've I found a small space up in Youngsville uh, I think I paid $500 a month for it uh, and it was basically one room and a garage and I put the printer in the garage part and I worked out of the room part <laughs> and that was that was what I did Perfect. An- initially and it yep. was just you just me in the yep. in the garage in the room. That's right. Did yep. clients did they look at you different? Like, oh, he's got his own place now versus working out of the house. Did that matter? I any? wouldn't say they did because most people didn't know. Um, I was not. I did not advertise a a physical no. location or anything like that. So my customers didn't know where where I was working at that time. And how did they find you? What was the primary mode that your clients were finding you for these print jobs? Yeah, so all of my business for until 2010 really was all word of mouth. It was all referral business, and you're very familiar with that. And just having doing a good job and then having the next person, uh, having the, the customer refer to the next customer and move from there. Did you find that? you were doing the smaller, and I say smaller jobs, just to compare for the question, that some of these big printers that you are now that just didn't want to do or weren't doing? Yes, I was doing anything and everything and some things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. So, yes, that's the answer to that question. And and I did have the opportunity through through my church and through other areas around me. Uh, I had contacts that were people that could do that could provide recurring business for me. And I think that's what helped me kind of get get a jump start. But uh, during that entire time up till 2010, it was not a it was not the income that I depended on for a living. So I was I was still working in IT, still in banking, uh, just doing that as a part-time thing. Do you still have a client from that garage day? I probably have several, yeah. Nice. My church obviously was one of the first clients I had that was a recurring client, and obviously they still use me, and I have sev- several others that, and that we've have been ta- around the whole time. And we've talked about this on other episodes. That is the ultimate stamp of approval. Recurring revenue. Oh, yes. we've been with Scott for fifteen years. Do I need to know anything more? If yeah, I nope. trust her, do I need to know anything more other than oh yeah, he's been doing my stuff for fifteen years? Yeah, I guess yep. says a lot about you. It does. Yep. So Scott, what would you say is your greatest success thus far? My greatest success. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> I know what the well, answer should be, but you answer it the way you want to. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what you're thinking. So I would say probably the greatest success uh, is the was the ability for me to make the transition from working for someone else to working for myself. That I mean, we all know that the statistics and all that stuff that you have almost no chance, you know, from from yep. from the ground getting started. But even if you get started, you still your chances are slim until you've been around for a little while. And so I do see it as as a success that that I was able to do that. And there were some factors that made that possible. But uh, yes, I think that was probably the, the biggest thing for me was was making that move. Uh, what factors would you say attributed to that the most? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing was that I was working for a bank that was bought by another bank back in the 2008 era when everything was going downhill fast. And that transaction, uh, as soon as that occurred, I knew that I did not want to continue in the sign, in the uh, banking business, no, mm-hmm. not the sign business. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to stay that. in that That'll one. That'll ruin the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, uh, from that point on, I knew that, that my path was not going to go down, down the, the avenue of staying with the bank and going through that whole thing. And so I just made that known up front. I was transparent with my employer. I told them that um, I wanted to pursue other interests, but I would like to stay and do whatever I can to help you through this transition. And they rewarded that. They gave me uh, uh, plenty of freedom, first of all, while I was still there. I did what they wanted, which was transfer, uh, transition them to the new bank. And then they gave me a, a severance, which that, that, was, wow. that was very helpful because that meant that I had something to fall back on if, if things were you tough. You had your and, savings. And it, you had your yeah. runway set. Yeah. And, and I did have to dip into that. Um, it was it was it was absolutely critical that it be there. So I would I would say to someone starting a business now that you do need to if you want any chance at all of being successful, you do you do have to have something uh, that you can can get you through those months when you don't have any jobs. And this probably answers the question in 2001, if you would left the bank and done a clean break from the bank to Scott Sam's Inc., are you still here today talking I about I would us? have failed in six months. Really? I would have been gone okay. in six months. It would not have taken long because in 2001, I, I, I had no understanding of what I needed to do to, to run a business. I was very, very, very fresh, uh, and I've learned a lot. I admire you. Thank you. I think one of the um, attributes that you have that we probably share is we both love process improvement and systematizing God. things and statistics Lord, and here numbers. Goes the next half hour right now between these Listen two closely. Folks. You can Listen, see the Mike. smiles on their faces. Yeah, we're sh- we've got some big old uh, grins over here. I'll be back so in twenty minutes. What again. steps do you take when you have an idea and you want to make an imp- a process improvement? That's a very good question. Um, you're challenging me today. So so the first thing I do is I try to capture the idea on paper first and try to get an idea of, you know, how, you know, first of all, is it just completely crazy? Because I do have some of those. Uh, and, and then I take that information and then I start to think about, you know, 
what can I leverage that I already have in order to, to, to move into this new thing or to change this process or whatever, or how much will it cost to change that? So I kind of look at it and I'm, I'm a nerdy guy. So I kind of look at the numbers. I appreciate that about you. Yeah. It's probably the first thing, the first place I go is trying to figure out, is it, is it something that I can uh, finagle to make happen, um, you know, from a financial standpoint, um, after capturing that idea. Is there small business ownership in your family anywhere? Uh, no. How long had you talked about 2001 before you actually did it? <laughs> uh, in my own head, yeah. probably probably five or seven years, okay. a, a while. We hear that, uh, yeah. Verbally, out even to my wife, not very long, maybe maybe a year or less. She, she uh, did not know that I had thoughts in my head about starting a business of my own. And even when I did start, because of the way I um, uh, brought it to her, she probably wasn't thinking, well, he's going out completely on his own. (laughs) You know, that's not, that's not how it was presented. So she thought it was more of a hobby or a side hustle, a way to bring in a little extra income. And you were putting the cogs in motion to, turn this into the way that you were going to feed your family for yep. the rest of your life. Yeah, that's it's pretty right. awesome. So yep. piggybacking off of Trinity's question about the processes and procedures, you as just Scott up until whenever, you have Sean and Jethro now. Mm-hmm. Has that process, now that you have employees, changed on, uh, hey, guys, let's, you know, let's workshop this, doing it with those three versus when you were just you? Uh, yeah, it, it has helped tremendously because it gives me um, another perspective whenever I whenever something comes up. Especially you talked about process change. So those guys would probably laugh if they were here because I do <laughs> like to change things, and you know, it, it make it, it you know everyone doesn't like to change things like I do. So she is liking you uh, yeah. more and more <laughs> uh-huh. every time you answer. So the we question. so the the way we deal with that. So I, you know, I had to rein myself in, and they helped me with that. But the way we deal with that is that we meet every week. And if there's something on my mind that I'm thinking about doing, I have learned that I probably should share that with them during those weekly meetings. And so now that's what we do. So before I go off and, and do something crazy, Pull the trigger I, on something yeah, crazy. Yeah, yep. we talk through it and I, and I at least get a nod from them or, you know, I can read their facial expressions usually with, as to whether it's something that's going to pay off. But that's important because if I, if I make a change and they don't have buy-in on that, it's not probably going to work out. So I've learned, and I learned that the hard way uh, mm-hmm. by by making changes that didn't work out, uh, and and doing things that you know everyone wasn't on board with. So so I have learned, but that's important. Do you find the three of you look at it completely differently? We do. We're we're very different personalities, Good. and yes, we do look at it differently. Yep, that helps, and that's how. You, but that's how you learn. He's like, oh, I never really looked at it from that angle. Sometimes it makes a lot of sense what they say it doesn't. It? That's for sure. <laughs> they are much more wise than me in in a lot of areas. What that's done though, the other the B part of what I'm hearing now is because that relationship has developed, it has taken the pressure off of you having to be there every day, mm-hmm. and has turned you more into a lead generator business yep. development person, right? Yes, for sure. That is a huge benefit because in 2008. 2006, 2010 even, it was me. So I was going and getting the business, finding the business, doing the work, making the sign, 
and delivering it and taking care of the whole thing. So having having them around and being able to completely trust them to do what uh, what they need to do and to have the knowledge to do it is is just that's priceless because it does free me up to to network and to build relationships and to think about those that next crazy thing that we want to do. What is your next crazy thing that you want to do? Wouldn't Anything? you like to I know? Would. There, there was no way that was getting past her. <laughs> no way. Well, I know just a little bit about what you do because I am a client of yours. You make my giant face look fantastic on all my signs that are in people's yards. Can I say that? You can wrap a bus, right? Absolutely. Doesn't her face need to be on the side of a so. bus? I think no. that would be awesome. No. If I got to wear those bike shorts and those socks as, <laughs> with a whistle being Coach That's Mike, fun. your face needs to be on the side of a bus. I might even pitch in for that. Well, you know, it's always been a dream of mine to own a bus or an RV and travel across the country. So maybe at some point... I will, just for shits and giggles. Just yeah. stick my would, face on the side of a giant yeah. bus. I would pitch in. Will one of you two uh, explain that real estate business that Scott has? Because you don't promote it a lot, but you're starting to promote it more at networking events, right? Yes. Yeah, so so this is something that has kind of grown up, and that's how I know Trinity, because it's it's grown up um, with a re- in a relationship with uh, Hunter Rowe, who, who Trinity works with. And basically... It's, it's filling a void, in my opinion, of helping real estate agents not have to think about how they deal with signs when they have a listing. Mm-hmm. So, so we try to make it almost effortless for a real estate agent to, to get all of the signage taken care of, including, uh, you know, every part of it, their panels, their frames, their riders, the, you know, repairs, the maintenance, all of the different storage. things that come, storage and, and all of that. We try to, to bring all of that together into a package. And we basically just charge the agent for um, almost uh, sort of like a Google service. So you're paying a, a service fee and you're just getting all kinds of stuff in return for that fee that you pay. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a great thing. It's something that we've been doing for a really long time on a small scale. And it's something that I think has probably the most potential of anything else we do right now to really uh, scale and grow. And so it is something that I'm starting to focus on now. Yeah, I think if you're a local real estate agent in the Triangle area, you need to be talking to Scott because I have never put a sign in the ground. I pray to God I never have to. Those poles are gigantic. I think they're almost taller than I am. There's not a chance in Hades I'm ever going to be able to stick one of those in the ground. Um, We actually had one of our agents had a tree fall on her sign during a storm and you guys got right out there and got that um, sign replaced for her so definitely amazing customer service and makes it completely turnkey so we don't have to worry about any of it this goes back to a couple episodes ago when we're talking about time management trinity lives in the durham area if you had a listing in wake forest which is easily 35 minutes without traffic If you had to leave your house, well, first of all, you got to load up your car with a sign and a shovel and all the things you need to put that, drive out there, dig the hole, put the sign in, do all the stuff, and then drive home. That's, what, three hours? Yeah. Maybe four? 
I mean, if I had to do it on my own, it's yeah. probably six hours because I'd be sitting there cursing every yeah, word yeah, in the yeah, book, yeah. trying to figure out how to get this sign to stick in the yard. And that's what I love about the service is you just, what do you do when you have a listing coming up? Literally. Nothing. Okay. And when you say nothing, you, what do you send well, in the address? Um, so I absolutely do nothing because my team does it for me. Which is good management. I'm blushing so hard right now because it makes me sound a little lazy, but I'm really not. I promise. No, you I just set up the processes. That's that, what this is all yes. about. That so is my, our goal. So my client service managers, once I get that listing agreement signed, they send um, a, they log into a portal and in that portal they make the sign request and then that goes to Scott's team and Scott's team sends it out they deploy it they take a picture of it they send us the picture that it's been deployed we know that the signs in the yard we verify it's in front of the right house and that's that's it they go out there and change the riders for me when I sell a house in three days or two days or zero days, whatever it is, they Before go out there. Days. Be, yep. <laughs> and this is what I've learned. This was the real value to me because they'll put out coming soon for sale. And in Trinity's case, that sign will be out there about two days, the for sale. And then under contract, contract pending, and then sold. Yep. So yep. you'll go out there for change every one of those. Yep. That, yeah. That's what I, the value, that's the value I see in it. Uh, on average, we make about three trips, maybe four trips to a, to a listing that, that goes completely through the cycle, which um, we want to see every one of our listings sell and go all the way through. Mm -hmm. Will you plug the website where realtors listening can? Yeah. If you want to check it out and there is a, 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 an information presentation there, it's at prosignservices.com where you can go and see that. ProSignServices.com. Ladies and gentlemen, check it out. And even if you're not a residential realtor, if you're a commercial real estate agent, or if you have anything that you need to use signs for, if you're hosting an event, if you have a church that needs directional signs, Scott is your man. You, you are you. the man. Thank I you. actually did an email intro for you to a mortgage broker. He wanted a sign in the yard that says this house it was just sold was financed by his mortgage company. That's the mm -hmm. first time I'd heard that. You just reminded me that I need to give you some thank you for business. Ooh. Oh, so it went through? <laughs> yes, sir. Fantastic. I'm mad Fantastic. I'm mad. That's it, it, but here's another example, which is why I just I love this whole story of the evolution of your business. You found a niche. You didn't really create you didn't have to create anything. That opportunity existed because realtors like Trinity, probably most realtors like, God, I got to go dig another hole in the ground again. And it's crooked. And most of us couldn't put a sign in straight. I don't care who you are. So, but you found a niche and thought you did your due diligence on that, what it would take as we know you. And I know there's a really good spreadsheet, but again, that's how you know, but you found a niche and you figured out how to service that. Yep. He did. And he's constantly working on ways to improve it. Mm -hmm. Like we have the lights on our signs now. So mm -hmm. I have one in my neighborhood right now. And every night when I walk the dogs around the block, I see my shining face illuminated by that light. And it just reminds me how awesome you are. You Thank told you. a story a couple episodes ago. Was it a lady in Panera's? Oh my gosh, yeah, yes. And this is all Scott's work. So Scott gets full yeah. credit for this. I was at Panera <laughs> putting some... Um, creamer and honey in my coffee because that's how I take my coffee for anyone nice. listening and these there was three women 
at the coffee counter at the same time as me and one and they're all kind of looking at me and the one says I I know you I know you from somewhere and I said well I'm a real estate agent so I know a lot of people she's like your sign it's in my neighborhood and it was so embarrassing (laughs) because they recognized my face from my giant sign and for those of you that have not seen our signs the reason I say giant face is because it's a little bit bigger than life size so it really is True. a very large face on that sign. Yes, but mm-hmm. but that is exactly what you want is to be, recognized, is to be by, recognized by people who you don't know because that means that your sign is working. It's working it, and it's memorable. This is question is to both of you, you from a service side of it and you from the client side of it. What does that do for your brand? That big sign in that yard for however long it's there, and then it's in another neighborhood over another. What does that do for your brand? And then what feedback do you hear from other realtors? So I would say from a branding standpoint, what it really is communicating to potential home buyers. The reason that I invest in using really good signage is because my clients 90% of the time are going to put the effort into making their home look absolutely spectacular before they put it on the market. Most of them are putting in new flooring, they're painting, you know, we're getting their home in show ready condition. So if you think about the total marketable package of a home, If somebody rolls up to this house after they've seen these beautiful pictures on the multiple listing service online and they get there and there's a crappy rinky-dink cheap ass looking sign in the yard, that doesn't fit with the image of what we're trying to sell. So for me, my sign is part of my brand, which is I'm going, I'm not going to do things just the cheapest because that's the way to do it. I'm going to do it for the best return on investment. And if that means using a little bit more expensive signage, because it's going to give me a return on investment, I'm absolutely going to do that. Putting the lights on there, absolutely going to do it. I mean, it's pennies on the dollar for, you know, especially over the winter, it makes total sense because half the time that people are driving up and down the streets of a neighborhood, it's dark already starting at five o'clock. So it makes total sense to have a a lit sign. What kind of feedback do you get from other realtors? Yeah. So I, I think the majority of the realtors that use us use us because they want to stand out and we provide a product to them that allows them to have a sign that just looks absolutely professional in the yard and it's going to draw the attention to buyers quicker than like the, the the angle iron sign the little you know black or white sign that has the two things that somebody went and put pounded into the ground that you can that you yeah. can buy at uh walmart yeah. on a saturday, saturday where dressed you're over. dressed in your crappy clothes yeah that's not the kind of real estate companies that we're working with here yeah. that is <laughs> so old school too yeah, so this is the 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 kind of market we're in today is a market where you need to distinguish yourself, and I think this is just a way that the realtors distinguish themselves. And the the, the Raleigh Durham market, which is the triangle, uh, is very active, very competitive, and it's those little things, right, that make you stand out, or at least uh, you as Trinity, you as Trinity with Hunter Rowe, and you as a client of ProSign Services, everybody enjoys that value, right? A hundred fifty percent. There you go. So Scott, I'm just gonna yes. drill you with one more question. Okay, you ask parts. hard questions. Okay, fine. Trinity. Two more. They're not hard. You've listened to this podcast. It is a lot more difficult when you're the one on the other side of the microphone. Yes. What was one unforeseen obstacle 
that you've overcome since you started your small business? Okay. One obstacle that I've overcome. I don't have like a, an accounting degree or a business degree or, you know, any kind of formal education that would have taught me the things that I, that you need to know as a business owner. So I would say that has been an obstacle because when I started work, uh, the business, uh, it was me learning from, from the ground up, um, learning about every aspect of business, not just, you know, how to balance the, the account every month, but also uh, where do I go to look for business or, you know, what do I do when I have issues with customers and things like that? That in the beginning was hard. You know, I, I struggled with um, just knowing uh, what what does it take to take to make the next step in the in the direction that I want to go. And so that's been a hurdle that I've that I feel like I've overcome, at least to some degree. And I'm taking more steps now. So, yeah. Excellent. Did you have to convince yourself to start your own business? Uh, that's a good question. I would say no. I, I think I've. I always wanted to do it unconsciously, I think, uh, from as far back as I can remember. So the the want was there. It was just the taking action part that was the challenge. For all of our listeners, both domestically and internationally, they're working full time, not really what they want to do, and they got this idea. What are the first three things they need to do to following your footsteps of making that happen? Well, the, the first thing is to just commit to yourself that you're going to take, take a step. I would, I would think about the steps that you need to take. Then I would uh, take the first step, uh, whatever, that's, whatever that step is. Just move forward because that's the biggest obstacle that you're facing is that you're, it's, it, I would say it's just fear. Uh, I was I was scared and I'm still scared sometimes with some of the things that that go on, but if you don't take a step, then you're not going to know what what could have been. Uh, I would not be if I think you guys have talked about this before about being afraid of failure. In fact, I think you mm-hmm. had a whole episode yeah, on we fail, did, failure, yes. uh, and I would agree 100% with that. If you're afraid of failure and you don't. Uh, take an action because of that fear, you're probably not going to succeed in business because you have to face those, those obstacles and you just have to move forward. Uh, failure is, a, is an excellent teacher. Um, and that's what Amen. I would say. Yes, it absolutely is. So any other tips to somebody sitting home thinking, I really would like to do this, but... Yeah, I, I would say the other thing is just to... If you, if you want to have the best shot, you want to, to be prepared when you take that step. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to have everything you need and you need to have a year's worth of cash in the bank or something like that, but it just means that you need to be prepared that you know, things might be more difficult than they look on paper. You know, we can, we can plan out how we want to do something, but there's always going to be something that comes up that we didn't expect. So, so be prepared for that. Plan B's are always good, aren't they? Yes. I know my brother at Trinity, we've talked about some different things, and, and Drago as well, and they're a lot like my brother. It's like, okay, if if everything went to hell, what would happen? What would the things look like? And then you, easier to build up than a lot of times, like, oh, I'm going to make $100,000 in my first year. Yeah. 
We have a small business seminar coming up for people like Scott. If you have an idea, trying to get something going, we, we can help them, can't we? We can. If you out there in listener land have not yet gone to your goals that you set at the beginning of the year and reviewed them, ooh, you're a prime candidate to come to our small business seminar. If you're sitting there going, what the heck, what goals? <laughs> you're also a prime candidate for our small business <laughs> seminar. If you have never set a goal, you're a great candidate for our small business seminar. So have it. It's very interactive. It's very fun. It's a workshop format. And it is on the luckiest day of the year, March 13th, Friday the 13th from 10 to 12. And we would love to see you there. If you want more information, you could email us, info at wired2change.com. With the number two. Or you can go out to our website, wiredtochange.com, and you can scroll to the bottom of the page and go ahead and book it now. Please do, because uh, uh, limited seats are available. We'd love for you to do that. Also, if you will rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, we appreciate all the support and the help. We could use numbers, so just click on it. So even if you don't listen to the whole thing, we kind of think there's a nugget or two you may uh, learn from that. And we just, we always appreciate the support. And if there's any reason whatsoever you wouldn't listen to the whole podcast, you better email me and let me know what it is because I'm Mrs. Fix-It and I would like to make it better. We, Scott, we appreciate it. It's a wonderful story of you taking that leap of faith on yourself and then understanding how to scale. So yeah. I think it's a lot people can learn from. Um, so if you want to know a lot, just walk into Dynamic Print Solutions shop here in Raleigh. Just ask for Scott. You have to buy the cup of coffee, and he'll tell you everything he knows on how he can help you. Thank you very much for having me. We will see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.